Welcome to Hablamos, Conversations on Teaching, Learning and Biomultilingualism, the podcast of the ICME EE project at the University of Nebraska Lincoln. As is mentioned in the name, the main goal of this podcast is to embrace multilingualism. So we are going to have conversation around this topic in the classroom and how teachers can support by a multilingual development. I'm Araceli Lovato and I will be your host. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi, welcome to our podcast. Uh, today we have Dr. Aurora Chang. Um, she, she was here at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, uh, I think it was last month already. Yeah. Yeah, one month ago. Um, she was talking about her book and her experience, so we took the advantage and I come kind of convinced her <laughs> to <laughs> to talk to us because I feel that it, uh, she she could um, she could give us a new perspective and, and give information about her experience and it's it's gonna be a good conversation for our podcast. So welcome to to the ICME podcast, Dr. Aurora Chang. Thank you so much, Araceli. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, I always start the interview asking the professors if they are able to talk about um, their experiences and their professional life. So can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so where, where to start? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I really always see myself as... Um, a pretty simple immigrant girl, um, even though now I'm, you know, in my mid 40s, but I think my identity really remains sort of as a, as my, my five-year-old self when uh, we immigrated from Guatemala to the US. Um, and I think all of my, you know, professional um, and personal sort of, storyline um, is really situated in that time period for me. Um, so uh, right now I'm an assistant professor at Loyola University Chicago mm -hmm. in the School of Education um, and I teach in uh, curriculum and instruction and also in the higher education program. Uh, most of my work uh, centers on Um, undocumented Latino uh, or Latinx students um, and but also um, I do some work on multiracial identity female faculty of color um, Latina studying abroad um, so so I, I'm kind of all over the place but my uh, my focus is really around counter storytelling um, mm -hmm. so giving opportunities for folks that usually don't have the floor uh, to talk about uh, their narratives. So um, I'm also a, a speaker. Um, I go around the country speaking on different topics. And then also um, I own my own professional editing business. So I edit dissertations, theses, um, manuscripts. Um, so I keep myself busy. <laughs> 
Do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I do, and that's a big priority for me. I get at least nine <laughs> hours every night. So, <laughs> because with so many things on your plate, it's like I don't feel like she she sleeps like a lot. <laughs> I'm very efficient, very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. So, and the one of the main uh, focus of our podcast is to. Uh, get the teachers know what things that they, they can do in their classroom to embrace uh, bilingual students or uh, multilingual students. So sometimes I ask professors about if they can give us um, advices and tips for new teachers or teachers that they are not used to have bilingual students in their classroom. So um, since you have this background, can you um, can you give us some advices and um, can you talk about some practices that you, we can apply in, in our classrooms? Sure. Um, so there's two main pieces of advice that I would give that I give all of my teacher candidates, um, and they're pretty basic. But the first one is, um, of course get to know your students really well and their families. The second one is um, there are three words that are, I think, the most important uh, for any educator at any level. And those words are, I don't know. So in other words, don't be afraid of what you don't know. And it's okay to tell your students and your families um, that you're working with that you're not sure how to approach a problem or you're not familiar with their cultural norms or um, whatever. So being, um, I think, vulnerable and open to learning is key. Um, and that also goes with getting to know your students is, you know, I think um, content is very important. However, you can't give content if the students don't know that they, that you care about them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, my biggest piece of advice is really to focus on nurturing very authentic, caring relationships with their students and families. And that's through basically doing a lot of listening, um, a lot of going out into their communities. Um, so, you know, a lot of teachers will go to work and then go home, which is usually home is usually not where their students live. Um, and if that's the case, then I would really encourage teachers to get outside of their comfort zone and go to their students' city, community, town, and you know, go to restaurants there, go to events there, go to churches there, and really try to immerse yourself in a respectful way within that culture because that communicates very strongly to students and families that you really care. Mm -hmm. um, the second part is the I don't know part. So a lot of teacher candidates that I work with are really frightened because what scares them the most is that they won't be seen as an authority in the class, that they won't know everything. And the truth is that admitting you don't know everything gives you more presence in the class than pretending that you know how to deal with everything. So I think if teachers can relax a little bit more in terms of their expectations of themselves, in terms of what knowledge they should or shouldn't have, 
um, that will go a long way in uh, creating a really great classroom environment and modeling for students that it's okay to not know something. Um, so those would be my two pieces of advice. I'm thinking about when you were doing the lecture here and something that it stuck in my mind was when you said, um, it's okay, uh, no, it was like, um, it's not okay to say everything is gonna be fine or something like that. I cannot remember the exactly word that you said, but that phrase was stuck in my mind, like, because in many occasions we said, okay, everything is gonna be fine when we actually know that there is gonna be fine, but we said in order to say, like, in order to make feel better another person and actually um, it's not working. So that's stuck in my mind because I feel like I use it a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, of course we all do. Cause it's our reflex to say everything's going to be fine because then it's, it's really not that we're talking to the student. We're just sort of talking to ourselves. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, so yeah, the context in which I said that was, when I was talking about undocumented students and my research with them, um, that they said that one of the pieces of advice they would give to educators is that when it comes to undocumented students, um, don't tell me everything's going to be fine because um, for, especially for many undocumented students, that's just not the reality because um, it's, it is the case that they can be deported. It is the case that you know, um, they will be discriminated against. Um, it is the case that if they come out as undocumented, that they risk um, all kinds of serious consequences. So the better thing to say is, I don't know exactly how to help right now, but let's find out together. Um, so kind of being very humble about one's own knowledge, um, because otherwise you risk giving bad information that could really hurt and damage students. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's where that came from. So for teachers who are working with an undocumented student, do you know any, like any website or any place that teachers can go there and look for information so they can help their students? Because I have some friends that they they just start working and they have these 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 students, so um, they talk to me like I don't know what to do and and yeah. it's it's very complicated. So maybe Absolutely. the lack of information sometimes because in my courses that I'm taking they don't tell they don't tell us anything about this. So like to look for a place and we can find information that would be great. So one place that I always direct people towards is a website called uh, unitedwedream.org. Uh, I think it's org. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, you could Google United We Dream. And yeah. it's an advocacy organization that's national. And one of the really cool things that the website has is something called a, um, a toolkit. And mm -hmm. it is there's toolkits for counselors, for teachers, and it's basically just a guide um, with all kinds of really useful information about talking to undocumented students, uh, pointing to resources. Um, and, you know, 
also just kind of giving similar advice in terms of, you know, you don't have to be a lawyer or a legal expert to help undocumented students. What they need most is really to be listened to and to feel advocated for. But United We Dream is a really great um, website and you can also, you know, get on their listserv. You can sign up for text updates. Um, they have um, professional development and also, um, I you know, some trainings, um, I think, available, or at least they can point you in that direction. So that is, that's a place that I tend to go uh, when I'm looking for information. Another one is the National um, Center for, I think it's National Center for Immigration Justice, mm -hmm. or a combination of one of, of those terms. Um, and that's also very helpful. It's based out of Chicago, but um, it also has really helpful uh, okay. information. information. Mm -hmm. I will Google it. And we have like a section um, for each interviewer and we have like a podcast note. So I will look for it and I will put the links because I feel that they are so, they're going to be very helpful. Great. Mm -hmm. So as a storytelling, I, I really love a story. So can you tell us a little story for us? <laughs> oh, I have a lot of stories. Oh. <laughs> I thought you can pick the one that you like. Uh. <laughs> it was a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one to choose. Um, well, let's see. We can... Um, Um, I guess the the first story I'm that came this from. because I really enjoy your story when you gave the lecture. So oh, thank <laughs> I, you. I didn't know that I was putting in maybe in a difficult spot, but I <laughs> no, no 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 not at all not at all. Um, I don't remember <laughs> like your stories. your lecture. That's the reason what I what I, <laughs> I, I don't remember which stories I told at the at the talk, but um, <laughs> I think one thing that I remember is. Uh, when um, in 1986, I was 13 years old, and uh, at the time, President Ronald Reagan had passed the Immigration Reform and Control Act. Did I tell this story at the talk? Uh, I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in that uh, legislation, he gave three million, more or less, undocumented people um, amnesty. And very similar to what's been going on now is he basically said, if you fit these guidelines, um, then we will give you amnesty. And then in exchange for not giving other undocumented people, um, any path to citizenship and making even stricter immigration laws. So basically, um, he was trying to do what Trump has been doing, which is positioning, quote unquote, deserving immigrants against all other immigrants, you know. Mm -hmm. um, now, my family happened to fall into those guidelines. And so that is how we ended up 
getting residency, um, uh, legal residency. And so I guess for me, that's always striking because I didn't do anything to earn citizenship here per se. You know, I, it was just luck um, fitting those guidelines. And so that's why I believe so strongly in our need to pass legislation mm-hmm. that provides amnesty for, for folks because um, if it weren't for that legislation, you know, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today, mm-hmm. um, nor would I be a professor here. Um, so uh, that to me has really been the foundation for doing what I do in my professional life and in my personal life. Mm-hmm. I have to advocate for undocumented people because somebody advocated for me, not knowing me personally, but knew that that was the right thing to do. And as a result, um, I've had all these amazing opportunities. I've been able to um, live out my potential. Um, So anyways, I remember that because, uh, for that reason, but also because it was the first time that I had ever eaten uh, lobster um, because my my father at the time thought that we would all go and celebrate by eating lobster at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Um, and so I just, I remember that because it was such a proud moment uh, for him especially. And, um, you know, that that's sort of uh, my memory of Fisherman's Wharf, my memory of lobster, my <laughs> memory of celebration. Um, is around that because I, you know, I don't think at the time I really understood exactly what was going on. I mean, I was a teenager, there were other things on my mind. Um, but now looking back, um, that was, uh, the place was called Asavelas. I don't know if it still exists, but, um, <laughs> but I just remember it being important. I remember us getting dressed up, uh, um, and we were, let me see, six, kids at the time I think my little brother was born already so you know eight of us at the restaurant you know it was crazy making you know kids were running all over the place um and so but yeah that's a a strong memory I have in it um it always reminds me of my obligation to not take for granted um the fact that I benefited from legislation that I had nothing to do with in terms of mm-hmm. earning anything. Um, so it, it's a heavy weight for me in some ways because it points to the deep injustice of how some people are granted benefits and others aren't. And it's very, and it's very, um, What's the word? Um, Not unfair, but... um, Yeah, I can't think of the word right now, but basically arbitrary um, is that it, you know, if you meet the guidelines, you do. If you don't, you don't, you know. um, So, yeah, I'm I'm always in a place of like, gosh, you know, how did this happen? You know, um, but... I have to also 
take responsibility for the, you know, for that Those who, who luck in my life. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing this personal story. <laughs> sure. I think you didn't, well, you tell something, but uh, for sure the laughter part, I think you didn't mention it. Would you like to add something else to our interview? Or if not, I will thanks to you um, for this conversation. I really like it. I think we, we need to have more voices that support um, especially undocumented students and, mm -hmm. and what the things that are going on right now with the DACA program. We still need more voices and more people who advocate for that. So mm -hmm. thank mm -hmm. you so much. No problem. No problem. I mean, that's, that's all I have, but I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you that you accept my invitation to the interview. Sure. <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Aurora Chand. Um, I hope I hope I see you soon again. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Um, thanks again, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. <laughs>